This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. We want our day in court. We thought that the procedure we were going through for the last year and a half was excellent. We thought we were going to accomplish things that were going to be on a fair level playing field. And that is so untrue. That is Carolyn Bauer of the Taxi Association, upset as they have been ever since it was announced that ride hailing is coming to BC. They want their day in court, as you heard her say, which means they expect to take this to to the legal avenue now. And all of this comes on the backdrop as the NDP government is also getting a lot of criticism right now for its approach to this because of a letter written by the transportation minister to the supposedly independent passenger transportation board, raising some concerns. Let's break all of this down now with the help of Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislator Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Hey, morning, Simi. Okay, so what's the deal with this letter? I read through the letter. I saw the concerns there. What do you think is going on here? Well, I think going on is the uh, the taxi industry in Metro Vancouver flexing its political muscle. I've never seen anything like this where a transportation minister and the premier both get involved in writing letters uh, one to the, the uh, supposedly independent agency saying, on the one hand, this is really no, we're not directing you to do this, but read between the lines, it says, I'm directing you to do this, which is to review a decision that's already made to placate an industry that has a disproportionate amount of political power, and then a premier writing the industry himself uh, in an extraordinary intervention. So I think this is uh, another indication that the taxi industry has a disproportionate sort of political spell over the NDP. And it's interesting, what I found fascinating is uh, Premier uh, Horgan's letter to Carolyn Bauer, the spokesperson for the Vancouver Taxi Association, is who he CC'd on the letter. Hmm. And it's the MLAs in his caucus who represent ridings where we've always thought the taxi industry held disproportionate political power. And those are the writings of Surrey, Burnaby, and Delta North. I mean, it's there in black and white. It was, again, extraordinary. He didn't CC the rest of his caucus. It was these particular writings, Surrey and Burnaby, where the taxi industry seems to be politically powerful. And why that's interesting is that the election... Um, sort of map in BC is so tight politically, yeah. as we saw in the 2017 election, every riding is precious. And a number of the ridings that he singled out here in terms of caucus representation are so-called swing ridings where one party only beat the other party by a relatively small margin. So this is raw political uh, power uh, play at its core more than right. anything else. How much of this do you think is political cover so that they can go back and say, oh, we tried, look at, we did this for you? I think a lot of it is political cover. I think uh, they're trying to show the taxi industry we've got your back here. Uh, why the why the premier's office and the transportation minister should be so surprised at the board's uh, decision to have no caps and uh, have basically no boundaries is surprising, given that the all-party legislative committee came up with this recommendation. Yeah. I mean, their own people on the committee signed off on this, and yet uh, it was right off the bat, I thought something was up when um, no sooner had the, uh, the board released its ruling on no caps and wide boundaries when you saw Solicitor General Mike Farnworth publicly state he was surprised about the no caps. And then Ginny Sims, another cabinet minister, voicing her concerns about it. It's quite unusual for cabinet ministers to question publicly the ruling of a, uh, a government agency, mm-hmm. even a quasi-independent one. It's a, it's a very unusual situation and, again, speaks to 
the disproportionate uh, political influence the taxi industry has. Yeah, and I'm, I'm concerned about the, the, the issue of the congestion one, right? They keep using this as an excuse. But on the other hand, you hear the ride-hailing companies complaining that because of the Class 4 requirement issue, they don't think they're even going to get enough people to operate. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is a long-term play. Uh, I don't think the taxi industry can make any any um, argue, make a credible argument that suddenly their industry is going to be uh, in upheaval in a, in a short time frame, because you're right, it's, it's going to take time to to collect a number of drivers uh, who have Class 4 licenses. But th- I think the notion that the concern about the caps and the, the lack of caps on the number of, of licenses and the concerns about um, congestion are kind of, I think, cover right. for what's really going on here. When In Trevena's letter, uh, she says to uh, the Passenger Transportation Board uh, that she wants the, their decision should be re- reviewed in a timely way to ensure the viability of the taxi industry alongside TSN. TNS services, and that the taxi industry does not experience serious economic dislocation before a supply or cap decision occurs. So this letter was about protecting the taxi industry, not about concerns about congestion uh, or anything else. This was basically a cover for protecting an industry that uh, has the NDP government in its thrall. And why hasn't the taxi industry, if they really truly want a level playing field, said, let us get rid of boundaries? Well, that, that's that's another good question. I mean, the, the and this may be very well where we're headed. I mean, the taxi industry has guarded those boundaries zealously, particularly the Vancouver Taxi Association. They like to guard the downtown core to itself. Uh, other taxi uh, associations probably are more in favor of relaxing the boundaries because they have more to gain. Uh, and that may, may very well be where the compromise is down the road, that uh, to placate the taxi industry, they do even the playing field. It'll be interesting whether the taxi industry is going to be able to succeed in court to challenging this ruling, uh, arguing that uh, this is uh, legally untenable because it does not establish a level playing field. And maybe that's where the compromise is. You get rid of the boundaries for everybody. Uh, you have class four licenses and, you know, may the best company win. Yeah, exactly. Now let's talk about the opposition here too, because they have been wading into this. What is the BC Liberal stand on this? Well, you know, in, they certainly were in no rush to established ride-hailing services in B.C. when they were in power. They had a long time to deal with this. Mm -hmm. They came into it late in the game. Uh, Just on the eve of the last election in 2017, they brought in a bill uh, that sort of started to pave the way. But that was, I think, sort of a a Hail Mary pass at the end there. So I don't think they necessarily have credibly clean hands on this. But they're certainly more aggressive in pushing for for this. Uh, at the committee stage, uh, they were much more in favor of, uh, of, of sort of a, a free market here, minimal regulation, uh, not having the class four licenses. Uh, so they're a little ahead of the NDP on this. But again, given their track record in government, I'm not sure they can establish that they have more credibility on this issue than the NDP, because I think the argument committee, the liberals too, are, uh, you know, at the beck and call of the taxi industry because they want those ridings that uh, the, the the Premier's office focused on. They yeah. want, they need, to for them to form power, they need to win the ridings in Burnaby and Surrey. The North, North uh, Surrey and the Burnaby ridings are key to uh, swinging electoral hopes to whichever party can hold those ridings. And, and that's why the taxis be, have bedeviled and bewitched the Liberals as well as the NDP. So by kicking this then to the Passenger Transportation Board, and even though they're you know saying that they're raising concerns and all of that right now, does that allow them to say both sides, well, you know, we tried, we, we did what we could, but it's coming now and there's nothing we can do? Well, I think there's a bit of that. and I, But I think they, the NDP has to be a little concerned that 
over time, whether the taxi lobby doesn't end up viewing the Liberals with much more in a favorable lens than the NDP, even though they tried to say they handed this off to the the passenger board, because it is still a board that's under the government's control. It is quasi-independent, but... You know, we've seen independent bodies supposedly before be replaced by people more favorable to the government. So uh, I think this is still an open question whether the Liberals can take political advantage of this. But I'm not sure that the Transportation Board gives the NDP enough power, enough cover right. to, take, to shed all responsibility for what uh, is going to come down the road. As you and I have talked about this many times. I still say this is a very much an, a fluid, open situation. You I've never so? been convinced that this was really going to happen in any short time frame because right, the other thing is, is here is ride hailing, ride um, sharing, whatever you want to call it, it's not an industry that's in the NDP's uh, political DNA. It's, it's, uh, the NDP historically favors regulating industries, and this is an unregulated industry industry. It favors industries that, that are, you know, pro-union, or at least give uh, their workers a decent wage. Well, ride hailing doesn't pay people a decent wage. It's not a full-time job for a lot of people, so the wages aren't really that high. There's minimal benefits. It's not a unionized workforce. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of robust regulations, and that's just not what the NDP historically is about at its political core, which is why another reason why I think they've been a little skitterish on embracing this industry with any sort of finality. Right. So if they can somehow, I mean, can you think it could actually be stopped now, given how far down the track this has gone? Uh, I don't think it can be stopped, but it can certainly be delayed if, uh, if roadblocks are put in their place. If, uh, but I'm not sure a cap on ride-hailing services would actually derail Uber from coming in. I mean, uh, it's going to, by their own admission, it's going to take a long time to ramp up to to get enough people, as we talked about earlier, to get actually people with class four licenses in the in the cars actually performing these services. This could be several years down the road. So, still, I think I think the NEP hit the panic button here, and. Um, in a in a sort of uh, quicker than thought fashion, because a lot of this is going to take some time to play out, and I don't think uh, I think they were caught off guard by the fact that the PTV came in with this, even though the All Party Committee did recommend this. I think they were thinking the PTV was probably a little more uh, timid than what yeah. they've shown to be uh, as a result of uh, these admissions. But it's going to take some time to ramp up. But I think what the taxi industry's done is they've they've fast-forwarded this thing by going to court so quickly. It's causing the courts to get involved in this process, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. No, I didn't see that at all. Okay, no. Keith, thank you. All right, Sammy. That's Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, talking about this story about, as he just pointed out, taxi industry ramping up their opposition to the process of ride-hailing, but by deciding they're going to get the courts involved here.